Welcome back to Bootability, a weekly interview series about the amazing ability we all have to change our lives and the world if we're brave enough to tap into it. I'm your host, Jihi Jolly. Today's episode is about learning to live your truth. Chris of Detroit shares the incredibly moving journey to affirm himself and how his Buddhist practice helped him find the courage to come out as a trans man. What I was most struck by was the foundational element of Chris's journey by beginning with the belief that his life has unlimited value and worth. He was able to build a foundation for new dreams. I'll let Chris share the rest. Um, I'm Chris, I'm 32 years old, and I am calling from uh, my home in Detroit, Michigan. Um, what do I do? Well, uh, do a lot, <laughs> but um, I'm a military veteran, uh, I'm a parent, uh, I'm a transgender man, um, I practice Nietzschean Buddhism, and I coach youth, youth soccer. So uh, why don't we just start with sort of the context about your Buddhist practice? Can you just tell me, you know, very briefly, just so we we know a little bit of the story, like how did you first encounter SJNHN Buddhism? And at the time, like what was going on in your life that you were interested? Um, so the first time I um, was connected with SGI Buddhism, I had joined the military straight out of high school. And while I was on um, a break from a deployment, I came home and a friend from high school actually invited me to a a Buddhist meeting. Um, Unfortunately, we came late. So that wasn't really the best introduction. So I honestly wasn't actually introduced to the practice until maybe two, three years later after I was discharged from the military and um, friend of mine's uh, had a open mic uh, taking place in the city and I went to go check it out, um, support him. And when I walked in, somebody just went up on the stage, took maybe like two, three minutes and he just started talking about Buddhism. <laughs> like, hey, <laughs> you know, I practice Nietzschean Buddhism. We chant Nam Yoho Renge Kyo and so forth. And he was like, if you want any information, you know, come to my table. And as soon as he got off the stage, I ran up to him and he gave me a card with uh, his address. Said, come to come to his house on Tuesday at seven o'clock. And that's what I did. And as soon as I, I heard the chanting, it was like the most beautiful sound I ever heard. Wow. Um, and somebody at the meeting told me, they was like, well, this practice is based on actual proof. So, um, you know, chant for something that you want and see if it happens and you know that's why i started practicing i I chanted and then i started receiving benefit and i just kept practicing because it worked wow i i'm curious um did you like grow up having any sort of religion or was like buddhism like kind of what was going on in in your life at the time that you were like like why did you run over to the table i guess that's that's the best way to put it (laughs) um well i guess for definite context. Um, so I was born in a family, uh, we were Jehovah Witnesses. 
And I was raised in a, uh, a Baptist family. So as a youth, I, uh, there, was, there were Bibles all over the house. So like as a child, I always read the Bible. Um, I was fascinated by the stories. So, but um, even as a, as a child, like even as a, a young, young person, I, it was hard for me to fathom that there was like an existence of this greater love for me. Um, because if it was, why was it that I suffered so much? Why was it that, you know, me and my mom were living on the street? Why was it that, you know, my life was like this? So like, I, I remember um, very vividly as a little kid, I would just like, no, you know, there is no higher love in this world. It's not possible because my life sucks. <laughs> so um, honestly, up until I was actually introduced to this Buddhism, um, I really didn't have like a uh, philosophy for my life. So I guess like a, a compass to build a, a foundation, a good foundation for my life. So when I, when I ran up to the table, like, and, and I heard, you know, about Buddhism and, you know, when I heard the chanting, it felt really good. It felt, it sounded beautiful. It was unfamiliar, but it felt so familiar at the same time. I don't mm. know if that makes sense, but yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, it's so funny. I, I completely hear what you're saying. I, I was chanting this morning and I had this moment where I was, you know, you know, sometimes people ask like, what is this chant and why do you say it out loud and all of these things. And as I was chanting, I don't know why I was thinking about this, but I was just like, it just feels good. It feels like the right rhythm, like intuitively. You know what I mean? It just, yeah. I can't really explain it. it just do it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, it's funny. Like, I remember, like, of course, when I first heard, like, all these people chanting in this, in this person's basement. And, like, it sounded great. And, like, you know that feeling, like, um, if someone scares you or like you, you have like this adrenaline rush, like, you know, you just feel it like in your body. I felt that after we were chanting, but it was like, all we were doing was just sitting down. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it was like, I was like, wow, why does my heart feel so warm? Why do, you know, yeah. it was intense. I was like, I really, really like this feeling. So. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so after you sort of encountered it and you were like, okay, this feels good. I'm curious about it. Um, did you start chanting? Like, did you start building your own daily practice? And like, did you see any change in your life if, if you did kind of jump in? Definitely. Uh, I actually started chanting that night <laughs> from that wow. discussion, from that, uh, from that meeting. Uh, I was like, okay, I can chant for anything I want. Let's see if it works. And immediately, like, I started seeing benefit, like, I was, I had just moved out of my parents' house, and, uh, like, maybe the week before, I had moved into, like, this one bedroom, like, shared living situation, and, and no one knew this, but, like, somebody had broken to the house and stole my stuff. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so... I was like, oh man, I need to chant to like move somewhere. And it was so funny. Like as soon as I chanted for that, I ended up like meeting 
this random person from this wrestling match I was I was checking out and they were like hey you know my apartment is you know has openings and I ended up getting an apartment like the next day I was like wow this works okay let me let me keep chanting some more <laughs> and then like you know I was like okay my car uh my car is breaking down let me chant for my car and then you know something happened with that and like anytime I was in a bind it was like okay I need to get out of this. let me chant and then it was like it never failed so I just wow. I couldn't stop chanting after that <laughs> yeah that's wild um and that's so yeah it's so interesting for for anyone who's new to Buddhism and listening like yeah, chanting is definitely not magic, but like it really does put you in rhythm and then like you can make the things happen that you need to. Um, but I but I also know that it's it's like a, a longer haul when it comes to the deeper stuff <laughs> that we need exactly. to to work on and change. So that's kind of what I, I wanted to dig into today as much as you're you're comfortable sharing. But I was thinking we could start with um 2019, which is what I think you shared on around 2019 on the phone where, you know, a kind of very major turning point occurred in your life and practice. So before we kind of talk about what happened, um, can you just share some context? So like, you know, it had been some years since you were what since you encountered and started practicing Buddhism. I'm sure there were a lot of ups and downs along the way. Um, but then sort of what was going on, I guess, what now, like three years ago that, you know, led to this really tremendous experience um, around mm -hmm. affirming yourself? So my time in the military, um, it was, it wasn't, I had fun. It was, I had fun times. I was able to experience a lot of things. I traveled a lot. Um, but at the same time, I still felt aimless. Um, I still felt foggy in the stuff I was doing. I was just, you know, I didn't really have like a direction going on in my life. I was just, you know, being carried by the wind. So uh, once I, you know, was discharged out of the military, it was kind of like, okay, what do you do now? You know, I really didn't have, like I said, I didn't really have like a direction or anchor for my life, honestly. So even after practicing, it was just like, okay, well, what's next? You know, like even after chanting, okay, what's next? What else do I got to get? What else do I need? You know, like when I was first, you know, uh, introduced to the practice, I just saw this practice as, okay, you know, if you chant, you know, things will happen. Um, I think I was so focused on chanting for things outside of myself. So it was like, okay, let me chant for a relationship because that's what I want. I want to have a companion. You know, I want to move. I want to, so I was never necessarily like chanting to transform my own heart. You know, I was just mm -hmm. chanting for things I could always see. So um, it was just like, yeah, I practice Nietzschean Buddhism, but I still have the same attitude as a person that does it. <laughs> But what ended up happening was I, um, I got into a relationship with, uh, with someone and what ended up happening, honestly, was I took on this person's life and this person's goals as my own. I ended up getting married and <laughs> I had a child and instead of me chanting for my happiness and 
you know, how best to improve my life, and my inner transformation, I would continually just chant like, oh, you know, my family needs a house. Let me chant for this house. Oh, you know, um, my husband needs his business to be successful. So I'm going to like continue chanting for his business to be successful. And that's going to make us happy. I mean, like that was a whole year's process, like a whole whole year of just, you know, chanting for things outside of myself, hoping that I would be happy, you know, mm -hmm. because if he was happy, then I could be happy, then the kids would be happy. But it was just never enough. You know, it was always, I was always struggling. I was always just surviving. So, yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. I, I Actually, that's like the way you put it. I think so many people will be able to relate to that, that feeling, you know, because like sometimes when we feel aimless, like what do I actually do now that I'm I'm a grown adult, but I actually don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. And then on top of that, like it's so easy to then just fit in with whatever's in front of you and like not realize that that's what you're doing. So I, I totally hear you and I think it's very relatable. Um so so basically, you're living this life, married with two kids. And then, um, you know, you mentioned that, like, your human revolution kind of took a turn in 2019. And I'm curious what your Buddhist practice, like, before we talk about what actually happened, like, what did your practice look like? Or was there a moment where you were like, wait, I, I need to sort of approach this differently because I'm, I'm struggling? And, and what was that struggle? Well, you had mentioned it before, you know, I had took a break. Uh, my Buddhist practice. Um, I took a break because I was honestly, I was just trying to think of ways that my husband could be happy. And I was thinking of ways where, you know, how could we unite as a family, you know, because he doesn't practice, of course. So um, I was like, well, let me, you know, let me adopt his faith. And then maybe we could go to church together. <laughs> you know, maybe we could read the Bible together. But that's that never happened, actually. I, I joined, you know, uh, the church and, you know, he never came to church with me. We never, you know, had faith dialogue. It was just still the same. So even with that being said, OK, the relationship is still, you know, the same because all my attention and focus was on. Uh, just being his support and not necessarily, you know, being strong side by side with this person. So what ended up happening was we we uh, we were homeless. We were homeless as a family. And, um, you know, his work wasn't able to provide sustainable, like, it wasn't able to provide for us, like, when we needed it. <laughs> so uh, a friend uh, a friend in faith, someone from um, the SGI actually gave me a call to check on me and see what was going on. I hadn't been to meetings. I hadn't reached out to anyone and uh, gave me a call and encouraged me. Like, it really sounds like you need a breakthrough in your practice. So I was like, you're right. You're right. So it was like really chance to change the situation, chance that you and your kids and your family have a place to call home and you know you don't have to go through this. I was like, okay, I'm really going to do that. Um, and I really, I, I started chanting. I started encouraging um, 
my stepdaughter at the time to uh, start chanting with me. I even encouraged my husband to chant. Uh, he said no, but I was like, okay, I'll, I'll chant. <laughs> I'll continue chanting. And I was able to break through. I was able to like maybe within 30 days of, of me getting that phone call encouragement, I was able to break through and find a home for me and my family. And then maybe a few months after that, I found, uh, uh, I found employment that came with a company car. <laughs> so it was like oh, all wow. these benefits. So from that moment, I never, I never put down my faith. I was like, okay, as long as I chant, I can break through. Um, but what ended up happening, like after that was the relationship still deteriorated and it got to a point where, you know, I knew I wasn't happy and I could see this person, you know, wasn't happy, but there was no solution to, mm. okay, how do we, you know, how do we approach this? How, what's not making us, you know, what's not making us happy? It was just like, you know, you're not doing enough. You need to do more. That's why, you know, you're unhappy, you know, but I hope that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So like what I'm hearing from you, and again, I feel like this is so universal is like sometimes, you know, when you're feeling stuck or you're just like what it sounds like in survival mode in a big way, um, you just kind of like, looks like you're looking at each other and you're like, why isn't this changing? Why isn't this changing? But I, I know that after this sort of you decided to look inward in a very big way. And I'm curious, like, so you're chanting, you get you get housing, the relationship is still not working, but then, you know, eventually you decide that you're gonna come out to your husband. So how how yeah, tell me that story as much as you're comfortable sharing. Um, well, like when all this was going on, you got like, I'm pretty sure you you know, you know it, but like a whole bunch of other stuff was going on. Like, so, although I, you know, yes, I'm chanting for, you know, my husband's happiness and for, you know, for our family to be united and all these visions and goals that I want. I'm also chanting for like, you know, the day-to-day -day stuff that's happening. Like, oh my gosh. And I'm just like, okay, I got to really break through on, you know, this legal stuff. And I got to break through on this, this, and this, and, you know, my mom and everything. And, I think what ended up happening, honestly, it was throughout all this, and it's funny, I really love like the SGI community because, you know, even while I was going through this situation with my family, I still had, you know, um, young women's division members come into my house and, and um, encouraging me and chanting with me and checking on the kids and inviting me to things. So even, you know, in my slumps of sometimes I just, I wouldn't be motivated to do anything, or sometimes I would like really be in a depressed, depressed state of life. Like I really mm -hmm. was really suffering like with my mental health at the time because of all of this. Um, there were still people that was reaching out to me, you know, and that really, that made a way, it made a way for me to, speak about my truth, like speak about my feelings and find out, you know, you know, cause sometimes it's like, it's, if you're not able to say things out loud, you know, you're not able to really process what's really going on, you know? So mm -hmm. I was able to really like put things out on the table when I would talk to, you know, 
uh, fellow practitioners. Um, so what ended up happening was at the time I, I started had I I started having conversations already like you know I'm in this you know marriage I'm not happy honestly you know this is is is, is this is not the person that I wanted to be with I kind of just took the situation and said I'll make the best of it uh, but I am not happy I'm like I was at this point I knew we were going to get a divorce <laughs> like I was positive. I was chanting to get out of this relationship at this point because it was it was it was everything opposite me. And that's what I began to notice, like, you know, just having these inner dialogues, like, how is this my life? Like, you know, I'm waking up. I'm like, how is this my life? You know, like, I don't like doing these things. I don't you know, like the real me wants to tell you this. And, you know, of course. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here in my head, I'm just like, you know. I'm always lying to my husband. You know, I don't want to lie to you, but at the same time, I don't feel comfortable with telling you the truth. I didn't feel good in just being myself and being and being in my truth. So it was just, it was like just two people just passing each other by, but nobody wants to say, I want to leave. You know, mm -hmm. it was like a really stuck, stuck point. But what ended up happening was I was on the phone outside talking to a friend of mine. It was like, I don't know why you're in this relationship. And like, he heard my conversation. And when I came upstairs, he, he, he questioned me like, oh, is that how you feel? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and that's when I just came out like, look, I'm, I'm a man. Like, that's who I am. Um, like, I'm not woman enough for you because I don't feel like a woman. I'm, I never felt like a woman, you know. And after that, it was it was all hell broke loose after that. But what I noticed though, it was like even though that like the way I came out, it 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 felt it felt hard. Of course, we separated after that. But one thing that actually happened for me was it gave me the next step. Like as long as I was in that relationship there was no next step for me to take. Like I couldn't move anywhere. I couldn't, there was no good thing I could do because I was never happy in that situation. Mm -hmm. Once I was able to get out of the situation that caused me unhappiness and really move forward, I was able to like, I had options. Like it really opened up something, like it opened up my life for me when I, when I made that decision. Whoa. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I'm like, I can only, I'm just like, imagine being a fly on the wall in that room <laughs> and how intense it must have been and how much courage that must have taken for you. Um, if you don't mind my asking, you know, so separate from the relationship, like I'm sure this kind of, this, this journey about just affirming yourself to yourself must have also been, you know, something that was going on or, or taking time and courage. And is it something like that you had been chanting about or like um, seeking about or kind of like, what was your dialogue with yourself that was happening? I think for me, I lived so many years just trying to like figure out what I was supposed to be doing. Like, you know, if I'm having conversations with family members, it's like, okay, what will make my family happy? Like, you know, What's something that would make them smile or make them say, oh, that's really good, you know? So the question was never like, okay, what is it that I would like to do? You know what I'm saying? They were just always, okay, what would look good? <laughs> you know, what's something that, you know, uh, that's acceptable? 
So I guess for me, it was like in the middle of like when all this was happening. Um, it was either the choice of like continuing to living, to live a lie and living and settling. Cause that was always the thing like, I knew I settled in that relationship. So like what other stuff was I settling in my life? You know, like I was settling in the way that I let that allow people to treat me. I was settling in the ways that, you know, type of friends that I had, all these other things. So I guess for me, it was just like, I don't want to compromise. I'm tired of doing that. So I think that was the, the big step that really caused all the moments. I just got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. Wow. So real. And I appreciate your honesty. I know this is also personal, but I, I feel like anybody, anybody listening, you know, whether it's like actually affirming your identity or it's just like the life that you're living, the job that you have, the relationship that you're in, it, I think the courage to listen to yourself, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. It's hard. It's really, really hard, especially if like what, yeah, what, what it is you want to share is something that maybe other people won't, won't have an easy time hearing. <laughs> was he the first person that you came out to or w like, was it like a, you were thinking about how to tell him, but you, you had other spaces where you were able to share what was going on? Um, telling him that was the first time I affirmed myself in living that reality. For me, you know, I'm 32. Um, I had uh, inclinations as a young as a young kid when I was five, six years old. Like I'm a boy. <laughs> like I didn't resonate with girl stuff. I didn't feel like a girl. That it didn't feel comfortable for me. I was like, I'm not a girl. <laughs> but um, of course, you know. My parents, they, they're like, what are you talking about? I gave birth <laughs> to a girl. <laughs> You're right here. What are you talking about? <laughs> it was like, that's not, I, there was no language for mm -hmm. me for, for like what I was feeling at the time. And even like, you know, in the uh, third grade when I, you know, had an instance of I'm going to walk outside and be a boy <laughs> and go into the park and like introduce myself as, you know, Chris, the boy. And then having a classmate come to the park and say, hey, you're not a boy, you're a girl, you were in my classroom. And like, you know, it was just, this, it's always been a back and forth. So like, you know, even growing up, it was just always, you can't be gay, you know? It, you can't, you can't like other girls, you're a girl. Like this is what you're supposed to do. So for me, I was always at, at a certain point, I was just, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. I just kind of just stopped thinking about myself, you know? Yeah. Like when when people like that question that adults ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? I never had an answer for myself because it was like, I don't know, you know, because mm -hmm. it was just always foggy because there was limitations on what I could be. You know, once I, you know, joined, uh, graduated high school, joined the military, you know, I, that was the first time I was able to make a decision like, uh, you know, I want to pursue women romantically. And that felt well um, 
but I just, I, I still was a woman. <laughs> I still was living my life as a woman and it didn't feel well. It didn't feel right. I still had this cognitive dissonance that I'm just like, why am I different? Why do I feel, why don't I feel good? You know, mm-hmm. and all this, all these things. So honestly, yeah, it wasn't until, you know, I got into my marriage and I decided like, well, maybe, you know, it's not the right man. Maybe, you know, if I find the right person now, you know, Um, and honestly, like the first time I actually met a transgender man, like I thought I knew it was possible. So like while I was in my marriage, I had those thoughts like, damn, I wish I, you know, I wish I did that when I was, you know, younger in my youth and accepting myself. So once I was able to see proof that type of life is possible, then I was like, okay, let me see if this works. And Mm. I just went ahead and just took it on. I I made it to myself, essentially. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for for sharing all of that. You know, it sounds like like what I'm hearing from you that is um, interesting from the perspective of Buddhism is like, you know, the cards that were dealt in life, which could be called, you know, karma, are like sort of the surface level stuff. But then like deeper than that is like our response, right? Like our response to that karma and what Mm -hmm. we do with it. And it sounds like what you're describing is like, because you were limited by how the people around you were I guess, raising you or or modeling things to you or communicating with you, you like adopted this like response of like, well, I don't know, like I, what do you want me to do? I don't know what I want to do. And then just like living your life based on that, which is actually so real. I think a lot of people, yeah, it's like so easy to just like choose one mode and then stick to that mode and live your life and then not know how to break out of it. But it sounds like you did some like crazy deep work (laughs) you know like even if you weren't actively like thinking this is what I have to do it's just like something in your life shifted and because it doesn't sound like you just had to come out it sounds like you had to change the entire way that you decided to approach thinking about life (laughs) it was because now that you're like not we're talking about it it really it really just felt like I had to stop demonizing the things that I like you know Mm it's like okay you fit, you're in this box and these are things you can do. So it's like, for me, if I didn't like the things, like if I had things outside of the box, oh man, something's wrong with that. So like for me, I had to shift. And like, that's the great thing about this Buddhist practice because like it is based on the philosophy that everything has value there. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, there is a Buddha nature in everything. So it gave me a platform to say, okay, that's, I'm not going to demonize that. That is, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, that actually brings up what I, what I wanted to ask about next. I'm curious, like how your like your chanting sort of helped you navigate this period because I'm sure you, I'm sure it was still so hard, right? Like at, at once you're affirming yourself, but then there's so much, like you mentioned kind of all hell broke loose. <laughs> after that you know so I'm uh I'm curious like uh had your practice like kind of shifted that allowed you to be able to do this or did you have to really like then start using Buddhism in order to figure out your next steps or like what was what was kind of that that aspect of it 
think it's the latter of what you said, like really just decided to use Buddhism. Um, hmm. Like not really passively chanting, you know, but like chanting with some nerve. Like at, after that moment, it was just like, okay, I really have to build this t- thick skinned person to live in their reality. So it's like, of course, if I'm coming out as a transgender man, you know, of course, I'm going to have some people that still want to say, no, you're not. Or, you know, all these other disparaging things. But I had to really build on myself, you know, because had I not used the practice, I would have like, oh, maybe, uh, you know, still been squeamish about it. But I needed to build up that courage. I think that was what was missing throughout the entire time from like, when I first got introduced to the practice and like went through the marriage, I was missing that courage to take a step out. You know, I was really like using my, my practice for like the things I could see and like the things that was, you know, Oh, let me check for this phone and reach for it. But like, mm-hmm. it takes courage to like think of something and then like really build yourself up to go get it. So I think that's what ended up happening with my practice. I just made the decision to live in that truth. And like, I, every time I chanted, that was like a confirmation to stick to my guns and like learn how to be Chris, this transgender man. Yeah. Wow. That's an amazing, um, amazing way to think about it. Like, like chanting kind of creates that space to continuously reaffirm yourself. And actually that is what it is for everybody. Like, like, you have to every day like reaffirm that you are this, you know, you have this bootability in you or you have this Buddhahood or, you know, you who you are is the greatest person you could be. So I really love the way you put it. Um, so so since then, how like how has your life changed or, or I mean, how I feel like everything must have changed. <laughs> but everything changed. yeah, yeah. Just in terms of just to bring us to the to the present, you know, in, in terms of like the continu- the continued victory or the breakthroughs you had to continue to pursue. <laughs> um, geez, gosh. Um, well, yeah, the first person I came out to was my husband, uh, of course separated from that and I was able to like build my own life on my own foundation um it's funny I was honestly able to build a foundation based on my Buddhist practice for myself um since then I was I came out to my family because of course they knew like they had to know like oh yeah you know he's not in the picture anymore (laughs) so I came out to my mom and and my sister and everybody um and I just live my truth. You know, I let people know. I came out to, you know, uh, my community, like my, uh, the community of practitioners in my, in my city, like, you know, at a meeting, you know, I introduced myself as, you know, as trans man. So, you know, when people see me, you know, I'm not afraid to tell my story. Um, cause it's a lot of people that, uh, they're, they're unfamiliar. You know, and I've had people that came up to me and was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I had a I had an idea about, you know, um, the queer community. But your experience, I've, I've never heard anything like that. So um, it's different that I'm able to, like, have conversations about this with people that wouldn't happen otherwise. Um, but, yeah, a lot of things have happened, like, you know, like I said, like, just living 
as who I am. It's, it's very comfortable. It's, it's very me. I don't have to think about it. It's very free and liberating. So, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm sure it will be a continued journey, but just, you know, for, for anyone listening, I feel like it's so encouraging just to like what you described about courage, right? Like if you're willing to have courage, it does open. Um, it reminds me of that quote from Daisaku Ikeda about like the, the hardest thing to do is like to open the door to your own life. It's, mm. it's it feels like that, you know? Yeah. Um, do you have like a, I'm, I'm curious in terms of the Buddhist philosophy, like, is there a Buddhist concept or a Buddhist quote that like has helped you that you've held on to through this whole experience? Changing karma into mission is, is a great concept. Just accept it. Cause that helps me like, just accept like, you know, the situation I was born into, you know, uh, the fact that, you know, I was born in a body that I don't identify in. Um, mm-hmm. It gives me, okay, I guess I should say like, because that is my karma, it's my mission to be responsible for it. You know, mm-hmm. um, instead of playing, you know, the back, the back end and just watching, spectating, you know, because, you know, this is the life I live, you know, because, you know, I have this uh, background, you know, I can speak about it. I can, I can do something about it. But um, a good quote, I'll pull out this quote I like. It's so many good, it's so many quotes that it took me a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. I wouldn't be able to answer this question, so. <laughs> Seriously. So the quote I like um, is by uh, Daisaku Ikeda. Um. When we awaken to our mission as bodhisattvas of the earth, incredible strength wills forth from within. All obstacles we encounter become obstacles we have voluntarily chosen to take on so that we can help lead others to enlightenment. And by overcoming those obstacles, we fulfill our bodhisattva vow to help others become happy. Obstacles exist so that we can achieve our mission. Hmm. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll pick, I like that quote. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm uh I'm curious like um I'm just thinking from the perspective of someone who's new to Buddhism if they heard that like I get it cuz I love this concept too. But like yeah, how would you explain like what resonates about that, you know? Cuz I feel like if someone could hear that and be like, "I didn't choose this." <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> um but like the fact that you know it sounds like in your heart you're like no like this is this is the path and um i feel solid about it so i'm i'm curious like how you got to that point or if you also felt like no i didn't choose this <laughs> no for a while i was like why me why me <laughs> but um so bodhisattva of the earth so like with this buddhism you know we chant to become absolutely happy uh, we chance to uh, awaken forth to our inner Buddha nature and and uh, awaken to our enlightened state. But it isn't enough to just be happy ourselves or it's not enough to just be enlightened in our own circumstances. It's, it's not, you know, it's, it's not wisdom to see other people suffering while you're just, you know, frolicking, frolicking in the field. <laughs> so... Uh, a bodhisattva is a person who 
whose mission is to help others become happy and help others uh, attain their enlightened state. Uh, so for me, that quote is just, you know, taking responsibility for, for the causes in my life so I can achieve happiness in my Buddhahood. And in that way, I can have the courage and the wisdom to help others do the same. Or mm -hmm. not, and even if it's not like directly, you know, me talking to someone, even if, you know, someone just heard this podcast, you know, and me choosing to, you know, to take responsibility for my obstacles and do something with it, it opens the way for other people to help others become happy. You know, mm -hmm. that, I hope that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it totally, it totally does. Cause like the other, the other option is like to just feel stuck. You know, there are things about the world that we live in that aren't fair and there are, there are limitations, you know, that, so I, I totally hear you. Like the either, either like we can, fight through them or we were stuck and that's just life it's funny i uh i i was listening on the radio one day someone said something like you know responsibility like you have the root word response so like when you take responsibility you're responding to something and i said wow <laughs> like you know so it's like you know when we take you know so it's easy to like just say oh my gosh who's going to help us or who's going to you know, fix this instead of taking responsibility and actually responding ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I think like that's that's really what I what I got from it. Like, okay, it's you know, victory is my responsibility. I'm going to take it on me to respond to this. Yeah, so. I love that. That's so funny. Actually, a couple months ago, someone mentioned that to me, and it was the first time I had heard that too. <laughs> like. Re about responsibility it means like you are able to respond and I was mind blown <laughs> so, like, maybe they heard the same thing I don't know but I I remember that moment and I've held on to it since then because it can sound vague too right like taking responsibility doesn't mean something is your fault I think that's the part people could get stuck on mm -hmm. it just means that you can take action exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> I love it so okay you know Looking at this experience so far, like since you have started practicing Buddhism and then gone through this tremendous journey, if you had to say like, you know, in Buddhism, we talk so much about human revolution or like inner transformation, which on this show we call, you know, Buddhability, like tapping into that ability in your life. Like, what would you say is the thing internally that like you have been able to change because you practice or like if you met someone and they were like, so why do you practice Buddhism? And you're like this because I I have been able to change this or this is what I'm working on. You know what I mean? Just like gut gut reaction. <laughs> what I really appreciate, um, and we, we, we touched on this a little bit when you asked me like, you know, my my upbringing. Um prior to this, prior to practicing Buddhism, I didn't have I didn't have a a foundation to place value, like place value on my life. I thought lowly of my life. Uh, so for me, it was hard to make goals. It was hard to see uh, things that I never saw before. Um, but with this practice, 
I'm introduced to these concepts and I'm introduced to the fact that, you know, my life has unlimited value and my life is very worthy. So it just gives me an actual foundation to build esteem for my own life, you know? Um, Cause like every day I go, every day I, I chant and go to the Gohansen is always, like you say, it's always reaffirming and always like bringing that life force right back up. Mm. So yeah, like, yeah, that's what, that's what I've gained through this practice is just like a foundation to really value my own life and to see my, that my life as value. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that. That's a wonderful way, way to put it. Cause that is essentially right. That's what like Buddhism is all about respecting life, starting with our own and, and based on that, respecting other people's lives. So exactly. yeah. Wow. Well, okay. I will, um, I, I feel like I could ask you so many questions. I'm like so sort of encouraged and fascinated at the same time. <laughs> but um, I will I will move to my final question, which is how I always end the show, which is um, a piece of advice. So for anyone who's listening who might be new to Buddhism and maybe currently, you know, is really struggling with like deep, you know, self-conflict or feeling like they can't really be themselves, whether it's literally about coming out or in some other way, um, what one piece of advice would you give them? <laughs> um, honestly, the same, the same advice like that I received at first practice. It, it's still true today. Like as long as you chant, something will happen. Like you know, like continue chanting, and you know you will break through. Um, I think like. That never fails. Like I've never, you know, seen the organization like like the SGI, where you have this community of of people that chant that's that's on the same mission of becoming absolutely happy and helping other people do the same. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, there's always room for encouragement. There's always going to be encouragement coming from you know, this group of people. I couldn't practice, and I, I tried, trust me, I tried practicing this Buddhism by myself. And, you know, sometimes my own life can't sustain my life because I don't know, you know, the height of, my, of myself. So it really helps gaining other people's experience, um, mm -hmm. you know, knowing that, breaking through as possible. Yeah, I love that. Like I get tired of my own head. Like it's just like, oh, I'm here again. And it's the same thoughts. Like, but then like when you have other people that are like, hey, you're limiting yourself or you need to check yourself. Like it could be many different things. Yeah. It's just so helpful because otherwise you're stuck in like whatever your own life condition is. Like how are you ever going to, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's good to rub against, like, how do we say, like, potatoes rubbing against each other? You know what I'm saying? Or, like, you know, rocks rubbing against each other to smooth each other out. It's the same thing because it's like, you know, as a person, it's rare finding people that practice this Buddhism anyway. 
So it's like being like the sole person in your community that practices and it's like, okay, how do I get my encouragement from someone that doesn't practice? And you know, they don't know about this philosophy. So it's very important to get with a group of, you know, Buddhist practitioners so you can elevate your, your practice. How do they say like, you know, uh, when you dip something in indigo, it turns a bluer blue. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, when you really get the mission of world peace and like the philosophy of this Buddhism, you become a walking Buddha. Like you, 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 be, you become the essence of this Buddhism in your daily life. It's like, oh, snap, I see the potential of this Buddhism in my house, <laughs> you know? Like, oh, man, just transform the school. It's, it's like, yeah, it's possible, yeah. I want to leave you today with the following words from Buddhist philosopher Daisaku Ikeda that I mentioned earlier, which, though about creativity, really made me think of Chris's courage to dig deep and build a life on a new foundation of belief in his own value and bootability. Ikeda writes, You must never slacken in your efforts to build new lives for yourselves. Creativeness means pushing open the heavy door to life. This is not an easy struggle. Indeed, it may be the hardest task in the world, for opening the door to your own life is more difficult than opening the doors to the mysteries of the universe. On that note, if you're new to chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo, you can find resources at bootability.org. And as always, if you have questions or you'd like to get connected to your local Buddhist community, you can email us at connect at sgi-usa.org. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.